Hey, Wagoneers. It's your friend, Meredith. Um, we are at the concert hall in Denver. Uh, the musicians are warming up, and we're going to see the concert soon. Um, we went to a cooking class around noon that lasted about 30 hours, and it's like 7 now. Um, and I'm feeling a little better. Um, but, uh, I'm definitely, I've been sitting in some tiny boxes and I'm standing with some real tiny fences around my feet a lot. Um, it's a weird feeling. Um, it's also a mile in the sky, this place is, so it's a little weird. And now I'm real high up in a symphony hall. Hi. Um, have a good show. Power out. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your podcast about the podcast, Too Beautiful to Live, in New York, New York, skipping a morning session at the Chamber Music America Conference at the Westin in Midtown Manhattan. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, on this lovely Saturday morning for a change, Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Bobby. And a special guest this week, joining us on the third mic in the Poncho's Cheese Somewhat Racist Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> it's Amy. Yes, that's me. Oh, I just don't want to talk over your laughing, Amy. Hello. Sorry. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. I've got my coffee. I'm all ready. That, of course, is Amy Shepard from the Earbuds and Earworms podcast. More on that in a minute. But first... We're going to talk about some LRB business, then we'll jump into our Week in Review housekeeping and how you can get involved with the show. I'm doing this all really quickly because we got about 20 pounds of show to put in a five-pound bag right now, including more LRB business than I've ever seen before, starting with the voicemail you just heard at the top of the show from erstwhile co-host Meredith Mahan. Uh, Anne, do you want to try to explain where that came from? Uh, well, Meredith is kicking off our series of Tiny Fence concerts here on LRB. She shared with us uh, on last week's recap the origin of our LRB term, the Tiny Fence and the Tiny Fence concert. And she was just putting that right into play for us. She is in uh, Colorado, in in Denver, right? I love the part in that voicemail where she's like, and it's a mile high. <laughs> Yeah, the city's not the only thing that's a mile high in that. Uh... <laughs> and she's uh, she's just checking in, checking in on uh, how her weekend is going. Yeah, she requested this weekend off from the show uh, a while ago uh, because an, a musician that she really likes, she indefinitely likes, is playing with the symphony in Denver. Um, but on the other hand, it has looked like just any excuse to go to the state of Colorado recently being the closest state to texas where it is legal and convenient to get the marijuana (laughs) Uh, i am particularly glad that the first tiny fence concert is actually a concert yes (laughs) because that term in our world doesn't necessarily mean a concert 
But this time it actually was. So uh, all the best to Meredith. And uh, when she comes back down to Texas, uh, we will hear back from her. So uh, we just wanted to show you a little dispatch, a postcard, if you will, from Meredith. On to more business. We mentioned just a few minutes ago that Amy is joining us from Memphis. uh, But some of you may or may not know who Amy is, even though she's appeared on the show before. So, um, Amy, who are you? Well, I'm the co-host to uh, the earbuds and earworms podcast and it's our casual music listening podcast and so and also i'm yeah i've been on before like i think like last february so it's been a year since i've been here <laughs> and i was i was thinking that some people listening might uh think that because amy is our pod sibling that this is some sort of <laughs> nepotism that here <laughs> That we're cross-promoting her show, and that's why we have her on. And I would like to see say that we're that strategic, but we're really not. We just know Amy, and we like Amy, and we knew that she had the uh, recording equipment, and so we said, come on, why don't you be on the show as our guest host? So Aww. this is not some some weird 10-7-10 power play going on <laughs> for, for anybody who's conspiracy-minded. No, Mike just sent me. He's like, hey, I just want to whitewash a fence or something. So I hear it's fun. That's what he just he just handed me a brush through a Facebook chat. (laughs) Amy is not our final guest host, though. We're hoping to keep doing this. So reach out to us if you're interested on that. And since I keep taking all our business away from you, why don't I just get out of the way and let you tell us about all the show feedback we've gotten recently? Uh, I asked for show feedback last week, and I got it. You guys are so awesome. We got lots of Facebook messages and Facebook posts and emails and voicemails, and keep them coming. So we do have a few things that we want to share at the top of the show and a couple of things that we might sprinkle in during the recap. Uh, the first one was actually a question that came to Christy as part of the McFrizz files, and she ended up not using it in those shows because it wasn't really a question for Mike. It was actually a question for us. And, I, and so I asked if we could maybe address it for a few minutes on this show. I won't say the person's name because I don't know if they want us to blow up their spot, but this is the question that they sent in. This is not as much a question for Mike, because I think he understands it. But do the other members of the panel understand that bank robbery is not a victimless crime? Yes, the money comes from a big business, but it is a traumatic experience for the teller involved. My mother was robbed as a bank teller, and it can be an experience that takes a long time to get over. I guess I would ask if you would lightheartedly joke about Mike being in jail if there were a more direct measure of the crime and the effect it has on the innocent people involved. So that's kind of a heavy question, but I really appreciate this person bringing it up and giving me a chance to address that. And the answer is, of course, of course we understand that bank robbing is not a victimless crime. Uh, in fact, I looked back to LRB 178 and Meredith directly addressed this. It was when we were talking about uh the last episode that Phyllis was on TBTL and she had gone to get Mike's uh, court records. And uh, I, I even I wrote down exactly what Meredith said. This is right around uh, minute 45. She said they talk a bit about some of the highlights of the transcript, including the judge acknowledging that Mike's crimes were not victimless, that the tellers are menaced and scared. Of course, it would stress somebody out, and he didn't have a gun, but they didn't know that, and that sounds terrifying to me. It's important to keep that in mind as we're listening to these Mike shows. So 
May we take our cues from Mike as far as this goes. I think that if he didn't joke about his experiences in his life of crime, we would never do that. And we're not talking about bank robbing in general. We're talking about Mike and his life and his experience. So we follow his lead and use the same kind of humor and levity that he applies to the situation. But please rest assured that we do understand that what he did was not just some small thing that he got his slap on the wrist and went on with his life. We 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 do know that that was uh, uh, some actions that he took that had some some effects on a lot of people's lives, and we do take that seriously. So thank you very much for that question. Did you have anything that you wanted to add about that, Bobby? Yeah, I think there's something – because that question really was for all of us, and I think it was sort of about the lighthearted attitude that we take in general when we talk about these Mike stories – Part of that, I think, is that we are so very comfortable with Mike's stories because mm-hmm. long before LRB was a thing, we were all TBTL listeners. And even if we weren't listeners back in the radio days, we've all certainly gone back and listened to the Mike episodes. They they must be some of the most sought-out episodes in TBTL history. And we also know Mike really well. And so it's um, it's a comfortable story for us. But it is important that we remember that it was an uncomfortable situation. And I don't say that to mean like mildly uncomfortable. I mean that to say like it was terrible and we all understand that. When we joke, we joke about Mike now because we have the luxury of him being uh, fully uh, participating in society and trying to do good and trying to make up for the things that he did wrong. And he does that sincerely. You know, he did pay his restitution after he got out of prison. And he knows that the monetary thing alone is not um, is is not everything. He's always said, and I don't want to paraphrase him too much, but being a productive, useful member of society is probably the best thing he can do because he can't go back and unrob those banks. So I think we like to encourage that and just you know let Mike be Mike and try to do good work. I mean, I'm not trying to say that we're doing charity here, but. Um, <laughs> We understand that it was serious too and it's um, a nice sort of warning to everyone that that it can really destroy your life in a lot of ways. I mean uh, this is still such a big part of Mike's life and it was half a lifetime ago for him. So um, we do take it seriously and and we certainly have a lot of sympathy for the people who were harmed emotionally uh, by this. But I thought that was really good feedback. And it was really easy for us to first hear that kind of feedback and be like, oh, whatever, that person's judging us. Um, But when we all thought about it and sat with it, I think we thought, no, that's actually really thoughtful and sincere. It's a good point to bring up again because we do laugh so much about all of this. It's nice to keep in mind that that there's a serious side to this now. Mike losing a leg is just hilarious. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you about that. (laughs) Anyway, we've got more listener feedback. I could go all day, but – I don't want to. I don't want to keep going on that because we have an amazing voicemail. And yes, indeed. <laughs> Moving on to something just a little less on the serious side, we got a voicemail from Anthony Shalimar this week, and I'm not quite sure what to make of it. So maybe we better just play it so that everyone can hear it. <laughs> if I wasn't in a bad mood before, the cat will. Yeah, <laughs> you fuckers. Hey. Seriously, quit it with the bash in the South as the, in the, and as white, as straight dude. First of all, I'm not straight. I'm not white. Fucking people take me as both. I live in the South. People assume I have a gun and have rattles and chains and shit. 
Like, I don't have enough shit dealing with that. I, I gotta assume that you guys all take me for a gun-toting, um, uh, fucking misogynist asshole. Like, chill the fuck out. Everybody chill the fuck out. Love you. Bye. Anthony Shalimar. Anthony, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but I do know that I love you. I really love you. <laughs> Uh, Amy, I'd like to interrupt and get Amy's input here because Amy is the, as I said before we started recording, the closest thing we have to a Southerner on the show today. Um, and, and I, I mentioned that I, I think this might be relating to the way we reacted to Luke getting in some random guy's pickup truck after the peach bowl. Yes. Um, but, um. You know, Amy, are you a gun-toting, Trump-voting, <laughs> uh, conservative hick that we should be making fun of? No. Misogynist. Don't forget misogynist. misogynist. Yeah, Amy, are you a misogynist? I'm not a misogynist or a homophobe or any of that. It's, um, it's, uh, I was trying to, like, piece together this, uh, voicemail because it made me laugh a bit, um, I'm trying to remember what y'all might have said about Southerners because I didn't get upset. But uh, I feel like probably, um, I mean, there's plenty of us liberals dotting the countryside. And I assume TBTL listeners probably are more on the left side of things. So I think that listening that um, any Southerners who did listen to your critique of um, Luke jumping into a random truck uh, might not have taken it so seriously. And I don't know if um, Anthony was super serious, but I I love this voicemail so much. It just makes me happy. Uh, probably good for us in general uh, to not be disparaging of all Southerners in general. In fact, probably good for us not to be disparaging of any group in general. Um, and this is where I'm not going to say anything about Trump voters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that that if if Anthony's referring to the conversation, we think then Mike was actually sticking up for the South in that as Meredith and I were saying that as women, we would absolutely absolutely not ask a strange man for a ride and mike was like well but it's different in the south and we said not different enough for us to do it and then you know there was some stuff about guns and chainsaws carried around in the truck but you know the important thing is that mike was sticking up for the south right i I wouldn't jump in anybody's car in the south though I wouldn't. <laughs> Except Anthony. It, well, and, and Anthony's in Shalimar, which is on the Florida Panhandle. Yeah. If I'm ever, for whatever reason, down in that part of Florida, I will happily jump in Anthony's truck. <laughs> yes. He'll just have to. He'll just have to move the gun rack and get the Confederate flag out of the way and turn down the country music and. Right. And what's next? <clears throat> All right. Let's let's move on. Um, Anthony also sent us a text that was. Um, I don't know if I would say that it was more coherent than the voicemail. So I'll move on to uh, Pamela's message. Pamela sent us the Facebook message last week that was about the pigs and blankets. And she um, sent us the same uh, clarification that Anthony did about the Miami meat tent that we talked about. And she says that uh, it came from This American Life, episode 954, My Summer Self. The story is a good one, but if you don't want to listen to all of it, the list of Speedo names comes from around 8 minutes and 15 seconds. And then Mike popped in with, I remember it was about the elderly lifeguard. And now that we say that, I have a very vague memory, both of uh, the story itself and Luke talking about it 
early in the summer. So there is TBTL history that has to do with the Miami meat tent. However, I still think it's probably inappropriate that he referred to Andrew as one. Uh, <laughs> Continuing on, um, we also got a message from uh, Naomi, who was a little bit worried. She said, is Andrew on this page? Meaning the LRB page. He mentioned on the show that someone was talking about the 850 bidet. And I commented about the laser helmet being that much. Uh, and she goes on to say, I'm not friends with him, but I went on his page and saw that he liked LRB. Good to know. I thought it was a safe place, but I was wrong. And Jeremy said back to her, you can say whatever you want. As long as you're not being rude, I don't think you have anything to worry about. It's certainly not rude to point out the price of something or discuss the absurdity of paying $800 for a laser <laughs> helmet. <laughs> And, this is coming from she, the man who who thought it was absurd to pay a reasonable amount of money for food when he found rations in an abandoned uh, lifeboat <laughs> and decided to yeah. eat those instead of paid for food for a while. So that's just being uh, practical. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Naomi went on to say, uh, Andrew thought I was referring to the bidet solution and mentioned it on the show. I just didn't want to tur- it to turn into a whole thing. And my response to that is, if Andrew is not going to listen to LRB, but then he's going to read the comments in our show posts and get snippy about him, that's his problem. He needs to manage his own feelings about that. So I don't think it's up to us to make sure that we uh, stay away from hurting his sensitive feelings. All right, everybody, keep them coming. Uh, I'll just add one more. Is uh, Listener Katie mentioned that the Simpsons watch, which is something I instituted and then immediately forgot about a few weeks ago, is something that needs to come back because she wants an update. And I know there were multiple Simpsons references this week, and I forgot to note them. So uh, I will do what I can to get back on my Simpsons watch grind. Uh, I will note that in addition to the Simpsons, there were – at least two, it's about the implication references, which is a, a deep It's Always Sunny joke. So maybe I'll have to add Sunny to my list of shows that I look out for references for. All right. I haven't seen it, so those are going to go way over my head. So it's <laughs> up to you. All right. I'll do what I can. Uh, and uh, if you want to throw your phone at any point, instead of doing that, send us your throw your phone moment uh, and all those different ways you can get in touch with us. Shall I get started with our weekend review, ladies? Sure, go for it. <laughs> Please do. We'll start with Monday, 2290, Snowstorm of the Soul. This is an episode about scat and sports, so sorry, everyone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> starting with the fact that the Bay Kitty uh, is around, and uh, Luke is, I think, equal parts apologetic and a little frustrated with any concern that he created uh, in the listenership last week uh, with his stories of the Bay Kitty disappearing for days at a time. Long story short, the cat is around, uh, and we're glad for that. (laughs) Uh, We start with some Duolingo talk. Uh, Luke admits he mainly just uses it when he's buzzed, um, (laughs) which probably isn't to his benefit. (laughs) And they try to fire it up on the air, but it doesn't go very well. Then we get into some Fleetwood Mac talk. uh, And I'm going to go straight from the show to the commentary, starting with the fact that uh, Mike Frizzell, who you may have heard of, he robbed some banks once, uh, was offended because Luke uh, confused uh, Christine McPhee uh, for Stevie Nicks on You Make Loving Fun. Uh, and he is not the only person who was thinking about Fleetwood Mac after these comments. We also got listener feedback from Stu the Stubot, 
Newman. Mike wrote to Stu, Luke embarrassed himself, and disrespected the Mac uh, <laughs> by saying, Stevie Nicks sings, you make loving fun. Uh, to which Stubot said, I was shook. They go back and forth a little bit more. Uh, and uh, Stubot says, 1977 Stevie Nicks is the best combination of talent and beauty of my lifetime, with the caveat that I have never heard Ross and Burbank. <laughs> Followed by, you could use that odd LRB. <laughs> so uh, some Stevie Nicks hot takes and a little bit of passion from Stu the Stubot Newman. Uh Andrew successfully time-shifted the Seahawks game 24 hours while they were traveling, uh, uh, managed to avoid everything coming back from visiting a friend in Canada, uh, including, I guess, Earl Thomas's Russian hat, which we don't need to get into. But I do want to stop down here because this is where Anne has written in our notes. Why do people like football? Yes, I'd like to know. Actually, uh, maybe if we can narrow that down, Bobby, why do people get so invested in sports? <laughs> is that something we can answer this podcast? I mean, I love baseball. It's the only sport that I love. But I am not a raving maniac the way these Seahawks fans are. And no disrespect meant to you raving maniacs. But I have never cared about anything in my life. And I can never uh, foresee caring about anything in my life the way that people seem to be about football in general. And I just need it explained to me. <laughs> Uh, I think some people are passionate about some things. Amy is clearly passionate because she notes that she successfully time shifts all games. Yep. I have no idea. <laughs> Amy, Amy, are you, are, are you shifting them indefinitely? Yep. I've successfully time shifted all of them to, I've, to have no idea what any games are <laughs> unless the city is orange. <laughs> we then get treated to a ghetto boys. Damn. Daniel mix. Uh, made by Luke Burbank. He's taken Not it into bad. his own hands. Not bad, yeah. It's a work of beauty. Uh, he took he took one thing that I, you know, somewhat like, I guess, in the Ghetto Boys, and one thing that I would have never thought would last this long in Damn Daniel, and I think together turned them into something truly beautiful. <laughs> uh, they are both better than the sum of their parts. <laughs> So we get that all week. Uh, our top story, of course, on Monday was Luke's bidet. His $30 bidet, not the $600 bidet. Uh, the $30 bidet, which is now being held on with a C-clamp or multiple C-clamps because he installed it quickly and poorly right before the show. I'm just – I am i can't figure out the calculus on Luke's personal values. So the $800 baldness laser helmet is uh, an acceptable purchase, but – 30 bucks is as high as he's going to go on a bidet. I mean, you can go to bidetking.com and get a pretty decent looking one for $149. I I don't understand. (laughs) Oh, man. Anne's commentary is brought to you by new LRB sponsor (laughs) bidetking.com, which will also scrub your internet search history for a fee. I think the most dangerous combination would be using the $30 bidet and the $800 laser hair helmet at the same time. Yeah, that could go terribly awry. Yeah. There's a lot of short-circuit possibilities there. Especially with all the C-clamps uh, used. I like that there's a bowl under it because it's dripping just a little bit. <laughs> uh, this brings back Fatberg's into the TBTL lexicon. Uh, 
And uh, is it now or later in the week that we're reminded that uh, TBTL friend and probably most famous listener Chris Hayes uh, went on an expedition into the sewer treatment system of Brooklyn to show us how all of this is destroying our lives? Um, I think it was later. Yeah, this whole week of TBTL made me think like we were in some weird deja vu loop because we talked about wet wipes before we've talked about monopoly before it's just it was, i was like do you guys well they don't listen to their own show it's like how can we not remember that we've already talked about all of this stuff you know back in the day i have two points here one we used to have tbtl history on this day in tbtl history uh, so that we're not doomed to repeat it that segment hasn't happened in a long time, so now we are, in fact, doomed to repeat it. And second of all, there's no way we can't call that deja poop loop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, Speaking of uh, repeating our history, Andrew is re-listening to In the Dark. I'm wondering if he heard some of his months of promos of it and thought, I should go hear that. That would, would be what I would do. Uh, Luke is uh, or watched the Amanda Knox uh, thing on Netflix, and we got into a tangent there. And then we get a lot of listener feedback. First, a voicemail from uh, Norma Michael Davis, um, who called in recently, and the guys thought it might be the classic itching, burning voicemail of TBTL lore. He called back to say, no, that wasn't me back when. But I'm glad for the attention now. He's going through a rough patch. Um, there's some cancer. He's not quite as healthy. Uh, but he is healthy enough to think that Andrew is the coolest. Oh. So I think Norman's the coolest. That, yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. That was a pretty great voicemail. Also, we get a voicemail of kids singing Rachel Platten's fight song. Luke does his Mariah Carey impression that sounds more like Luther Vandross. Uh <laughs> We get a South Korean greeting for Andrew to add to his uh, foreign language repertoire. He should really consult Mike on that. Go back to the Takedown podcast days when he used to throw all those out there. Uh, Carrie is warming on the clapper. Uh, at least Luke thinks she is. And the outro music uh, was Ratatap by Loud Pipes, which I only wanted to mention because it's a fucking jam. Yeah, that was good. Uh, on to the no point conversion. Yeah, I'm going to keep this real short for you guys. Um, The creepiest thing about the whole day of football recapped was the graphic of Matt Stafford's broken, messed up finger. Um, (laughs) They always do this on uh, primetime football. Whenever there's a medical situation, they always try to get like animated diagrams of the medical condition. But they're always creepy. And Matt Stafford's finger was no exception. It was like a like a skeleton finger reaching out to to tap you and kill you. It's weirdly gross. Uh, Luke is nervous about Atlanta. I don't want to get into that now because by the time you hear this, there'll be resolution on that front. Um, Luke is also designing plays for Jimmy Graham because he just doesn't understand why you wouldn't just throw it to the tall guy every time. Uh, if Mike was here, we'd probably get angry about this for 20 minutes, but since he's not... <laughs> We'll just move on. Uh, Hauschka shanked another extra point kick um, or point after touchdown. I see some confusion in our little red bandwagon notes about what a PAT is. I couldn't figure that out, and they kept saying point PAT. point after touchdown. Okay. Amy, we're just going to time shift your football knowledge. So <laughs> next time you're on the show, you'll know what a PAT is. Yeah. <laughs> 
and our show title comes from Andrew's plans for this weekend while we're recording this. Genevieve's going out of town and he's going to hunker down and ignore the world as if there's a snowstorm uh, or a snowstorm of the soul. Uh, and with that, uh, Amy. Yes, I've got Tuesday and it's the the damn Daniel Bagley episode number 2291. So it starts out with a brief update for um, Rudy trying to sneak outside to eat olive presents, which then somehow became Ugh. a... Yeah, I know. Like, this is just the poop cast this whole week. And... Then somehow we end up talking about wrestling, and I don't know. I've listened a couple times, and I still don't know how we start talking about uh, Jim Hacksaw Duggins and his two by four. <laughs> so that that was I, like I didn't know that Luke and Andrew were going to be so into wrestling in the past, and I just it's more like I guess it goes into my football knowledge that I have no idea what they're talking about. I only know about uh, Jerry Lawler. Now, those are two very different gaps in knowledge because one is a real sport <laughs> and one is a soap opera. I was just going to say, like, Andrew starts talking about finding a specific women's tag team that used tongs illegally to pull somebody by the nose. And he got really excited about knowing about this clip on the YouTube. <laughs> well, he does get excited about some strange clips sometimes but i thought that the interesting part of this discussion was luke saying about how how into wrestling he was as a kid but the instant that he found out that it was fake ever since then he's like no that's i'm just done with it now that that i know that it's not real and we actually got some more feedback uh shanna sent us a facebook message that said as an honest to goodness adult fan of modern day wrestling tuesday's conversation made me cross-eyed and phone throwy in the parlance of how's your podcast my thought was aren't most of those hgtv shows just as staged as wrestling at least there are a few more believable storylines and attractive people in wrestling these days also side note on demolition which is hawk and animal they used to spend time on the lakes in northern minnesota and were mostly fueled by cocaine <laughs> so i had the exact same thought as Shanna had uh, about the staging, those um, home improvement shows are just as staged as anything you find in wrestling. I mean, sure, some guy is ha hanging around in the plumbing aisle of Home Depot and just randomly somebody comes up and says, hey, do you want me to redo your whole bathroom for free right now today? Uh-huh, that's very realistic. Or they, they even talked about the the house shows where the the final house has or house hunters that's the one right the final house has already been picked and they've already put down an offer on it and then they just find two other houses for them to go look at and contrast to make the tv show so i think shanna has an excellent point that luke is still watching fantasy it's a good point we all have our fantasy escapism uh, based on our tastes. And so for someone that might be wrestling, and in fact, I have a very good friend who is a fan of pro wrestling, but she's a fan of the theatrics of it and appreciates the pageantry of it. And I think when you look at it that way, there's there's a perfect feeling for that. Now, when you're a 12-year-old boy and you find out that someone's not actually getting hit with that folding chair <laughs> to the point of falling over the ropes, um, you know, that's a, that's a shell, that's a world-changing moment. And so I can understand that frustration. Uh, but yeah, HGTV is just the um, the middle class dreaming of upper middle class difference um, right. of fantasy. And it goes to all reality shows like the Kardashians. 
that's not real or the dating shows or any of it. All reality TV is scripted and sculpted and shaped in some point. So um, wrestling is just a little bit more flamboyant than that. Well, um, after they go into the wrestling, they start realizing after, um, I think Carrie recommended the show to her chiropractor and that they had the Chris ba- uh, Chris Hayes bump, they realized that maybe they haven't been putting out the best content for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm so glad they realized this. It's not that it's been bad. Well, it's kind of been bad. But it's also been that it's been very inside, like even more inside than normal for TBTL. And yeah, uh, tough for a new person to get on board. There haven't been a lot of on-ramps in the last couple weeks of episodes for new people. Right. And they they recognize that maybe uh, podcasting from the back of a car might not be the best idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shocking moment. And um, so after we do some podcasting about that, uh, Andrew starts talking about his computer and how technology is trying to kill him because he, he gives us like... He try to zo- zooms in on the sound of his computer fan that nobody else can hear. Right. And he tries to fix that. He's going to go and buy like a can of uh, air and not to huff, but to clean his fan. But his car battery wouldn't start. And then he somehow ended up stripping screws out of the back of his computer. And <laughs> so I'm still not sure if he actually got part of the computer apart or how many screws are missing from his computer now. And then Luke chimes in that half his computer is dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty worried about this. Half of Luke's computer has been dead for a long time now. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's running everything through an SD, uh, like a multi-card reader USB thing so that he can still use it. Um, that's his lifeline to all of his jobs, as he accurately noted. It's probably worth the $1,000. You know, if, if he needs another MacBook, if that's what's going to make him happy... It's fifteen dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. He can go right off on his taxes. It's it's one and a half hair laser helmets. Just go do it. <laughs> and and we won't be missing out on the show whenever that that one SD card eventually stops working and he can't record anything. Let's see. I do like the idea of him doing the show on his phone from the back of an Apple store, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Now, we also get the Damn Donor song again from the Ghetto Boys and Damn Daniel. But uh, they all they start talking about the clothing, uh, Stoozy or International News, which I don't know much about. Um, but for some reason, that became a big conversation is the Stoozy and the International News because Luke wore, like, I think two of these shirts for six years or something like that. Um, and after we thank the donors, we get into Monopoly talk. <laughs> so that was always, that was just interesting because apparently Monopoly is going to be changing its, its tokens again, which I really don't think it's that important considering you can buy any version of Monopoly you want. So there's got to be like an emoji Monopoly already out there. I have a Doctor Who one. I checked and there's a Seahawks one and a Pokemon uh, Monopoly. Oh so. yeah, we have that. My family has Pokemon Monopoly as well as Night Sky Monopoly. That's all about uh, space and constellations and stuff. 
Right. And the tokens are all very different. So I don't think changing just the, I don't see why anyone was getting upset. And I don't recall the canon, but I will miss the iron. <laughs> well, I looked at the, the possible new pieces and there are like a whole bunch of different emoji ones, but, and I liked the penguin one that Luke and Andrew both like, but I got to go for the T-Rex. It's real cute. <laughs> I would pick the T-Rex. <laughs> Uh, we should just make a TBTL upolate. We should. We can we can come up with an, enough properties and tokens, and there's so much TBTL lore. There's enough to go around for something like that. I'll play the bidet token. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes. <laughs> Um, Amy, before we're done, can you tell us about the email from the story that won't die? Uh, yes, it's this story about the Home Alone, like, Xfinity remote control controller commercial. And then Alex chimes in to say that the commercial is indeed wrong. It's from the sequel to the movie that was made for Home Alone 2 which is something about even filthier angels' wings, but that may be a made-up title from YouTube. And it was just insanity. And we just talk about all sorts of commercials, including a Weird Al one and Dianetics, which um, there's a very close chance that Luke could have been a Scientologist because of this Dianetics (laughs) commercial. (laughs) Uh, as a child, I once ordered a free Book of Mormon <laughs> because of Why? a late night TV commercial. <laughs> they really punch up the excitement on those things. This was years before the musical came out, too. I had no idea how exciting it was. How old were you? I was very young. I mean... Uh, I mean, we're talking probably early elementary school, but I had, um, you know, TV was a primary parenting force in my life, and I knew how to use the phone. So there you go. (laughs) And um, we then, uh, we start talking about Francoise uh, Hardy, or Hardy, and actually on Tuesday it's Francoise Hardy. By the end of the week we switch it to Francoise Hardy, with, and... I believe the song is La Fille Avec Toi. <laughs> Very <know>. good. <laughs> Francois Hardy. Francoise. We have to call it Francoise. Francoise, <laughs> Francoise Hardy. Yes. You, uh, you push it together, you know, you just uh, uh, add more arrogance to your voice and mash all your words together. <laughs> Francoise Hardy. I can't even know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, La Fille avec toi, you did a nice job with that. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> All right, then I'll take us into Wednesday, if I may. Uh, 2292 be days for days. And uh, Carrie just started vacuuming as they begin the show. And you actually, for once, if you listen closely, you can hear it very, 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 very faintly. Not like those days back in L.A. where Andrew was like, can you hear the helicopter? And we were all like, no. Um, but Lucas 
kind of pissed about it that she chose this moment to clean. But she's cleaning because they're going to be using Rover.com to take care of the animals while they're in Chicago for Wait, Wait. And Carrie needs to clean before they get there. Like, And they equate that to like cleaning before the maid comes to clean, which I totally, totally agree with. I've never had a cleaning service, but I'm quite sure that I would have to cl- clean before they came which kind of defeats the purpose. Um, and they say that having some sort of maid service or house cleaner sounds like it's only for rich people. But then Andrew starts talking about cleaning his bathroom, and he says it takes him a couple of hours at least to clean his bathroom. I I can't – I mean, that's got to be a big bathroom. They only have one bathroom in the apartment, right? How can it possibly take two hours? I have two bathrooms, and it takes me maybe an hour to clean both of them, and I think that I do a pretty good job, so – I mean, I, I I'm guess a slob. I fix it as it becomes I, a problem. Um, <laughs> hey, that's but, a legitimate but, way to do it. But I mean, Andrew's going. Uh, it's like full Dexter. Like he's making sure that there's no, no evidence left. Yes, of they, if ever. they bring the luminol in there, he's good. They'll never connect right. him to the crime. As he said, I'm thinking less globally and acting more locally. Just oh. not any care for concern about chemicals. No, I use Comet. That's old school. I'll, I'll just go with it. I don't care. Breathe deep, yep. people. As yep. <laughs> as the stay-at-home mom in the place, and I, I am just like, I don't care that much about the bathroom, and I just am going to out myself as a total slob, so... I use whatever happens to be underneath the cabinet because I don't even shop for the chemicals. Just try not to mix anything together, Amy. We like you. Yeah, I can't believe Andrew's using couples of products. Uh, Luke, on the other hand, is not allowed to clean the bathroom because he can't be trusted to do a good enough job, which I find very believable. Um, (laughs) That's me. He says that he is trying uh, intermittent fasting. That's his new diet grind. Basically, in order to impress Tom Hanks when he meets them, he's he's going to take these three days and get really skinny. And so Tom Hanks will, I don't know what Tom Hanks will think, that Luke is a cool guy. And the intermittent fasting consists of basically not eating for 16 hours. And Luke's point is that this is going to be easy for him since he's really not a breakfast person. The only thing uh, he has in the way of nutrition is the cream that he puts in his coffee. So he figures if he just goes back to black coffee, then uh, he can go that 16 hours. And the rest of the time, you can basically eat whatever you want. And uh, Andrew says that he believes that this diet is focused too much on the external, as in uh, how Luke looks. And Luke's like, yep. And <laughs> he says that he'll he'll always be driven by vanity. That From the earliest days of TBTL, that's been his state of stated motives are vanity and revenge and so he's he's sticking to the vanity thing i just have a warning that if luke thinks alternating bacon cheeseburgers and nothing is going to be a net positive for him (laughs) he might want to rethink this diet yes i i have my new attitude of we're all just doing the best we can so if the best he can do is crackpot diet theories then I support that. 
more power to them. <laughs> My personal opinion on dieting is that all the really focused diet, you know, not eating after 7 p.m. or a certain mix of carbs and fats or whatever, I think that's probably has some merit for, say, high performance athletes who are looking for any little edge. But for someone like me, I think probably sensible portions and not eating a lot of Fritos is going to do as well as about anything. So I don't know that yeah. Luke is at the level where um, these kind of diets are going to have much more effect than just being a sensible eater. But it's his light. So yeah. last night, uh, Luke paints this picture of using the baldness laser helmet while he was fasting and applying <laughs> crest white strips, which is a hell of a visual and he moves on to his next gadget, his his latest life improvement machine, which is an anti-snoring device called the Nora. Uh, so, of course, I went and looked it up. It's very new. It was only released on the market on December 16th. It cost uh, $279. Oh, I think you can get it for 20 bucks off right now. <laughs> and uh, I he did a sort of semi-okay job of explaining it, but it comes with this pebble that basically is the size of a, a mouse, a computer mouse that sits like on the bedside table and it's a microphone. So it picks up your breathing. And if you start snoring, it communicates to the pump, which is in a little box that you put down at the bottom of the bed. And then the pump inflates the insert that you put in your pillowcase so that it raises your head and changes your position. And therefore you uh, stop snoring. So I tried to do some research on it. It, it had, I think they had a Kickstarter campaign where they wanted to raise $100,000 and they raised $800,000. So people are pretty high on it. All the articles that I found were from like 2015 where people were getting really excited that this was going to be coming out. So I guess this remains to be seen if it's going to have an impact. But uh, he says that Carrie slept out on the couch the other night and she could still hear him snore all the way from out there. So I think probably just for her sake, 279 bucks is, is worth it. Uh, in more bidet talk, he's having issues with the bidet insulation, which we touched on <laughs> recently, uh, the other, in the other, uh, um, day, um, in that he's having some, some leaking and he tried to MacGyver things together and it's just working in a very janky way, which is what you get when you buy a $30 bidet. And at this point, they get into a discussion of the word utilize. As Luke says, he utilized the bidet. And Andrew immediately corrects him and says that that word means to use something for a purpose. It is not uh, intended. And I got all ready to go up on my sharpshooting high horse. And then a couple of days later, they actually had a follow-up discussion where um, – they talked about it again because somebody sharp shot him on the Stens page. And um, his definition, I think, is a little bit loose or since Veeves is the one who told him about it, maybe his translation of what she said is a little bit differently. It's sort of like um, not that's necessarily using something for a purpose it's not intended. It's using something um, – well, maybe that is the right way to say it. I don't know. I, I think uh, – I, I usually think of it as utilize being close to the way Andrew described it actually, 
which is to say that when you utilize something, you're using it in a sort of non-expected yes. way to a positive benefit. Um, and I wouldn't say that that definition is the only definition, but that I would say when you have two words that have very similar definitions, it's nice to put a finer point on which each one means in its use. Um, <laughs> there are plenty of words um, that could be used sort of interchangeably but don't mean exactly the same thing. Um, and so even though use and utilize are very similar, utilize is sort of that above and beyond use. Right. <laughs> yes. The definition that he used is not the, the sort of primary definition, but it, it is in there buried somewhere. When I was looking on uh, dictionary sites, on yourdictionary.com, I found my very favorite. It's the computer definition, whatever that means. And the entry reads, a frilly word that means to make use of something. People who want to sound smarter than they really are, utilize, utilize. I just use use. <laughs> 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 I wanted to highlight a, just a little conversation that they had in in the donation portion. As Luke starts joking that uh, listener money goes to his bidet and his bidet issues, and then they correct themselves because, of course, it's not a direct pipeline to Luke's wallet anymore. It goes to APM. And he says, re-donations, we get very little of it. And I was like, Luke, that's not the right thing to say either, that the listeners can uh, donate and you get very little of it. <laughs> Uh, moving on into the top story, there are two top stories today. They're both about grandmas. In top story one, it turns out that a, a Brazilian grandma has been worshipping uh, basically an action figure of Elrond of Rivendell from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, who is, as it turns out, not St. Anthony. And from that, they take a detour into monk hairdos, as they call it. I believe they're called tonsures. Um <laughs> Then they detour into Hugo Weaving in The Matrix, and then they detour into David Burbank and Walter Burbank's text, in which Walter refers to himself as a fan of Lord of the Rings as a ringer. And they laugh about that for a while, and I looked it up, and they do refer to themselves as ringers. That's a thing. So Walter's correct, and we shouldn't be laughing at him for calling himself that. You saw also never doubt a ringer on their own terminology. <laughs> No. If he thinks he's a ringer, he's a ringer. It's like how we call ourselves tens. Only we know what it means. Right. Uh, top story two is there's a grandma in, I think it was Manhattan, wasn't it? Somewhere in New York City. Yes. Who goes out running and she runs in a rectangle around the block, essentially. And this all started because uh, when she had smaller children, she didn't want to be more than two blocks away from them at any one time. So she decided to just run around the block like 18 times a day, I think she does it. I mean, it's just a lap. She's doing 18 laps. And uh, the reason that Luke really likes this story is because of a quote that she said in the article is that you don't need to be talented, you just need to be stubborn. And he finds that very inspiring <laughs> And in fact, it has inspired him to immediately go out and take a jog and get back on his grind. I think it's a good sentiment. I, yeah. I'm i never going to enjoy running anymore. I know, Amy, you're a runner, so you must get some pleasure out of it. But I just found the whole thing to be torture. Oh, that's a good point. Amy, do you actually enjoy it? Um, I... I actually started because it gets your heart rate up. I enjoy cycling more. But way back in, when I started listening to TBTL, Luke had this little mantra for about two weeks where he said, you should just get up and sweat for 30 minutes. 
And that's when I kind of started getting back onto, like, my fitness grind that I had in college. So Luke has actually got me running, which is insanity. (laughs) (laughs) He has motivated you so much more than he's motivated himself. (laughs) I know. Uh, but I like this segment, uh, uh, Older Gales in the News. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good segment. It. Yeah. Let's bring it back sometime. It's like granny time. That's true. It's sort of a different spin on granny time. It's actual grannies yeah. instead of grannies in <laughs> yeah. spirit like Jen is. Well, they've had to outsource the granny, that's all, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, in emails today, we have a follow-up from our favorite emailer from last week, John in Arkansas, and they choose to um, use a bed of Lefty Frizzell music for this segment, <laughs> which isn't he a, a relative of Mike's? I think he's definitely <laughs> related to Lefty Frizzell, so I thought that, that was fun. And so we get some more information from John in Arkansas. Um, he's 67 and his wife only occasionally calls him shithead. <laughs> and he tells a story about a lady who, who threatened John and his dog Carl with the cattle prod. And I, there was another story in there too that I didn't write down, but he found TBTL through Wait Wait and he doesn't know why he likes the show, but he does. I think a lot of people could say they don't know <laughs> why they like the show. Um, there is an email from Laurel regarding Luke's uh, dilemma over getting a picture with Tom Hanks. Laurel says, go for it. Um, life's too short to waste not getting pictures with celebrities. And Luke says he's going to make sure that Carrie gets her picture taken. And, of course, we'll we'll come back to this on Friday. And this leads into a story of some radio person that Luke knew who just only posted pictures of him and celebrities. Um, and then they get into talk about a story about Tom Hanks coming to KCRW from some interview or something. And he ended up buying new carpeting for the whole place, which is a story that Andrew has, has heard from somebody who worked there. So he thinks it's probably true. And we'll find out more about that later in the week as well. Uh, Thursday, 2293. The Norwegian Whack Pack. Uh, Luke is in Chicago. He's at the Kimpton Gray Hotel, which I've never heard about, but sounds very fancy. And in the intro, they uh, revisit their idea of slam poetry, and this morphs into the Kim Cattrall um, jazz scatting with the he dogs and she dogs, which is just as uncomfortable every time I hear it, because <laughs> I actually feel bad for her because she's making such an utter fool of herself. And they talk a little bit about how that marriage actually ended of her and the musician guy. And uh, it's at that point that you find out that maybe one person wasn't as into uh, something that the other person was into all along. Like, so they did this bass and vocal performance thing together and maybe she didn't wasn't as into it the way that he was or maybe he wasn't into it the way that she does and maybe that... Uh, contributed to the end of the marriage. I don't really care about <laughs> Kim Control either way. Uh, Andrew is full steam ahead on the TBTL glossary. And when we talked about this before, I said, good luck to you. So uh, he's going to make this a part of the newsletter. And if everybody read the newsletter that came out this week, he did actually answer or define about half a dozen uh, terms. And he made the smart comment that he's not going to go back and try to 
talk about the origins of all these things because that's impossible and he doesn't know the origins of all these things, but he will at least give context and sort of definitions for when they use it in a modern show setting. And Luke says, oh, you know what we really need is a TBTL wiki. And I was <laughs> like, excuse me, but Andrew steps in to say, um, there is one, and that's our friend April who puts together the TBTL wiki, and that's still around, and if people want to contribute to it, they should. Isn't it Robin with the wiki? Was it Robin? I thought it was April, but it could be Robin. Well, Robin or April, whichever one of you. (laughs) There's a message on Luke's hotel phone. He tries and fails to play it. It's very tortured for a minute. Um, And it's something about it's Debbie and Steve and there's a meeting and Luke's thinking that they were going to do a community service by somehow we could get the meeting, the the meeting notice out to the right people, but it's just a total failure. Good try, Luke. Um, There's a lot of talk about uh, the upcoming Wait, Wait show, of course, because we're all interested about Luke meeting Tom Hanks and how that's going to go. And Luke says he's found out through Wait, Wait channels that Tom Hanks has, quote, made it clear he doesn't really like selfies. And that seems like such a weird thing. I can't imagine that Tom Hanks would make this particular kind of statement. The only thing that I can think is that maybe one of his reps said it, like how Luke is always saying that a celebrity's agent or rep is always much harder to work with than the actual celebrity. And so maybe that person was laying down the law or it got translated strangely by the wait, wait staff, because it seems like such a strange, like diva thing to do. And Tom Hanks just doesn't have the reputation for being a diva in that way. Right. So Luke wants to know what he should do about this. Um, Andrew is really more upset that, that the definition of selfie seems to be shifting. Um, (laughs) As far as he understands, the selfie is a picture that you take yourself, as in your finger on the button, and a selfie is not a picture that has you in it. And I would agree with that. And he doesn't want to take photos that he calls falsely flattering, which I think is an incorrect term, because... (laughs) Something's either flattering or it's not flattering. It's not falsely flattering. <laughs> uh, I think when it comes to pictures, you bring your A game and try to take the best possible picture anytime. Right. I uh, I may be projecting my own experience here onto Andrew, but I spent a lot of time thinking that I was just so ugly and disgusting that why – um, why should I try to disguise that? Like everybody's going to know anyway. So if I make an attempt to look better, it's just, everybody's just going to be like, yeah, what does she think she's doing? So I feel like Andrew's kind of in that same headspace as he doesn't want anybody to think that he actually thinks that he might be attractive. So he's <laughs> going to reject all attempts to make him look better. And he's a perfectly attractive person. So, oh, Andrew. I do love you. (laughs) Just take pictures. It's okay. Have some pictures that, you know, all your friends can look at and remember what a cool person that you are. And um, Luke thinks that we will soon have phone drones. This comes from the whole idea where we have to take our selfies from uh, an above angle. So why don't we just put them on a drone and send them up in the air? And, of course, there are already phone drones. Jeremy 
uh, shared a picture of one of those. Also, selfie sticks already exist. <laughs> yes, I yes, I wrote down that note too. Selfie sticks. Um, that takes them into drone talk. And Luke asks Andrew how he likes his drone. And Andrew says, it's okay, which is a strangely lukewarm uh, way to put it. But it turns out that he's really feeling the stigma of being a, quote, drone guy. He doesn't want to be that guy in the park with the drone, I guess. I understand uh, what he's talking about. There was When I was in college, there was a big lawn that the, the boomerang club used to practice on. And I was like, do you really want to be the boomerang guy? So <laughs> maybe the drone guy is <laughs> the same sort of thing. And Luke says that um, in his time browsing on Redfin, that drone shots of houses are a big thing. And um, then he moves on to his neighbor, who apparently took the opportunity of a drone to flip the double birds at the drone. And he <laughs> says that there is a certain type of white people that are suspicious of or hate drones. And uh, Andrew just gets totally stuck on this definition, this certain type of white people. So Luke sort of wants to talk about people who just reflexively don't like drones, whether it's a privacy issue or whatever, but Andrew just cannot get past this <laughs> certain type of white people thing. What do you mean? It was pretty comical. What do you mean? I know Luke's, Luke's trying to push the conversation forward and Andrew's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about uh, at all. Have either of you have either of you flown a drone? I have not flown a drone. No. Um, I bought a drone-like helicopter for my child, and we flew it in the park. And it's pretty comical to see a five-year-old with a drone-like thing trying to just make it go as high as possible till it loses connection, then crashes to the ground. Does does it oh. have multiple joysticks or just one joystick, or how complicated is that? It's it's just got two. Um, it's it's pretty self correcting. It's the dumbest one. It's like the easiest one to do. But it's like she just cares that she can get it stuck in a tree, or she wants it to go so high that it like loses connection with the remote control and then crashes. She just loves the crash part because children are like that. <laughs> I like that you've weaponized your child so young. <laughs> You're really preparing her for a life in Trump's America. Um, yeah, she needs to know how to fly. They should things. make. Yeah, they should make this like um, like a driver's ed car. Like the kids should get a remote, but you should also have a remote that can overpower her remote. Oh, that's a good thought. That's called a stick. <laughs> well, I guess I'm sorry for getting fancy about it. I just. You noted that this is also like the new unicycle. I feel like all the things that occupied nerdy, bored kids with a little bit of money in the 90s are gone now. Boomerangs, unicycles. <laughs> it's all electronic now. And and fly your drone if you enjoy it. Just try to stay try. away from trees. And five-year-olds with helicopters. <laughs> and 40-year-olds with shame. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, top story today 
is that Norway is discontinuing its uh, FM radio system and replacing it with digital radio system. Uh, apparently, this is going to save them a lot of money. It's going to save them a hundred million kroner a year, which is equivalent to twenty-five million dollars. And uh, they had a long discussion about whether they should keep trying to prop up this old system or just bite the bullet and invest in a new system. And this takes Luke and Andrew into a long sort of technology, media technology talk that's really sort of outside my scope of interest. But um, they're looking at this photo in the New York Times, which has uh, some Norwegian lady who is apparently a famous radio listener, and they marvel at the idea that people can get famous for listening to the radio as well as being on the radio. I, I think she's actually a radio personality. I don't believe that she's just known for listening to the radio. Wait. So there's something in translation here. You don't think that Luke Burbank and John Takamoto celebrated the day that CBTL went to podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Is John Takamoto, is he, he's our, our famous TVTL listener? <laughs> Maybe he was they the first did. one we who came know. to mind. <laughs> there's, a, there's a weird gravestone somewhere with a picture of the two of them. <laughs> and uh, they talk about, oh, a lot of stuff, in, including uh, how long before the United States might make this move. Um, Andrew talks about pump up the volume, the movie, as he is prone to do. And Luke compares um, this whole FM to digital, like, over-the-air TV versus cable. And he says, quote, it's almost unheard of in this day and age, unquote, to know someone who only has over-the-air. And I'm saying, you all know someone because it's me. I, I don't have cable. We don't either. Both no, there's of you. two of us. I just if there's Netflix and Amazon, who needs cable? Exactly. If and I do record some things off the over the air. I have a rabbit ears antenna and everything. I'm going to be really sad if that goes away because I'm cheap and I don't want to pay for cable because I think it's outrageous. And I have questions. Yes. Um, <laughs> is your VCR still working? And if not, do you want the TV VCR? that Jeremy posted a picture of in a pile of garbage outside an apartment building near his office because we could send him to go get it. Um, I, I do not want the TV VCR combo, although that's a very nice thought. I had a VCR until last summer that I used when it finally gave up the ghost and I was forced to buy a DVR. And I made it work. It was very uh, difficult and I couldn't record um, multiple... Uh, programs like if I wanted to record something at seven o'clock and then something at eight o'clock and they were on different channels, I couldn't do that because I couldn't switch the channel and it was a pain in the ass. But like Mike Rizel, I am cheap and I just didn't see any reason <laughs> to replace it until it was absolutely necessary. But I have joined the 21st century now. So <laughs> I joined the 21st believe... century by way of a TiVo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, it's still perfectly good. Why would I get rid of something if it still works? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> judging. <laughs> so they decide that probably there's going to be a lot of FM bandwidth up for grabs. And so they decide maybe they should start their own bad religion only station. And Andrew is going to be the program director and acting general manager of this station. 
Um, I love it, but I would not listen to it. Uh, let's see. And Andrew points out that the iPhone and Facebook are 10 years old now. And so uh, he's talking that things really can change in the span of, of 10 years. And so in 20 years, what will the, the media technology landscape look like? And Luke thinks there's going to come a point when we're all just connected to the internet all the time. But he does have like a, a nostalgia factor. He's talked a lot about, you know, listening to the radio at night, listening to Sally Jesse Raphael or whoever had the radio show back in those days. Um, and how much he loved that radio and how he still puts on like the Mariners games on the over the air radio, even though he has the app to do it. Uh, Andrew is trying to make Google Plus a thing because he apparently misses mass technology migration the way that he put it. He says that Facebook is too public. And I, I think that that's actually a legitimate complaint on his part. He's friends with like 1500 people and 1300 of them he's never actually met in real life and we're just listeners. And so um, he always sort of has to have a public face on on his Facebook page and he can't just be goofy or silly or talk about um, things that are an inside joke with his friends because he has to be mindful of all the other people that are watching. I don't think Google Plus is the answer, though. <laughs> Neither does anyone else. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he is trying to revive the poke on Facebook. <laughs> so... All right. Uh, I think Jeremy poked me not too long ago. That was special. Maybe we should all go poke Jeremy. That would be fun. Yep. (laughs) Everybody, if you're Facebook friends with Jeremy Holmes, go poke him. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone, as you hear this, because I want to gauge when you listen to Little Red Bandwagon, as you hear this, stop down, go into Facebook, poke Jeremy Holmes. And we'll we'll monitor the wave of pokes. <laughs> You're welcome, Jeremy. Um, in emails today, we have an email from Jamie who says that Luke is right about intermittent fasting. I made my thoughts about that clear. But if it works for Jamie, if it works for Luke, good on it. But Luke says he can already feel it. It's eroding his resolve in other areas like He's making worse nutrition decisions because he's just like, ah, I won't eat for 16 hours afterwards. So this could be kind of a double-edged sword. Um, uh, he's already um, experiencing zoodle fatigue in that he ate so many <laughs> zoodles for so many meals that he's getting tired of it. And somebody on the uh, Facebook page suggested uh, butternut squash noodles or butternut squoodles. They call it. I like that. Andrew says that he's calling himself the bone collector because of his stock and soup uh, making activities. And that takes them into saying there should be a movie called The Bone Collector. And of course there is. And they they uh, listen to the trailer. And I've seen this movie. It's from 1999. And when I was 22 or 23, I really liked it. And then I watched it again. I think last year it was on TV. And I was like, oh, wait, it's not that great. And it's Denzel uh, plays like a, a 
top of the line forensic investigator investigator who got crushed in, in a tunnel accident and now he's a quadriplegic and so Angelina Jolie the rookie cop has to go out and be his his eyes and ears and collect the evidence when she's they're looking for this serial killer so i believe the bone collector actually refers to the serial killer I suppose it could refer to Angelina being the one who goes out and gets the evidence, but, but I, I think they mean the serial killer. So I, I don't know if Andrew wants to call himself the, the bone collector. Amy, yes. you have a note that says Bonker's husband did this, but it's next to a lot of different things. So did oh, Bonker's no, husband did the- collect bones or did, <laughs> or, or suffer zoodle fatigue? He did fatigue? the intermediate fasting. Because I think we've, or the, I, I'm trying to. I have so many. First of all, who is Bonkers, and why are they collecting bones or zoodles? <laughs> oh, I did not make that clear. <laughs> no, he just did the intermittent fasting thing, but now he's out of that. He just eats all the time. So, and did it work? Um, you know, he did it mostly like he he got into it because he was poor and he couldn't afford the food. And then he decided that it was going to be a diet lifestyle. And then he stopped that once, like, he had money and was out of college and had a job. <laughs> oh, so now now I can eat. Yeah. Yes, and it was, it was literally, like, he decided to be on a diet plan because he couldn't afford the food. So, essentially, intermediate, <laughs> intermittent fasting is just being poor. Mm, well, that's another way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have more emails, uh, email from Corey who says he loves Fleetwood Mac and, uh, that he just named his brand new daughter Rhiannon. And I would like to say that I had this in my notes, uh, before Thursday. I think I put it in something to mention in feedback at the beginning of the week. This is our friend Corey Plucker who has been on this show. Bobby and I did a show with Corey about, uh, the mummy and his tiny houses. And uh, he's a great guy. And we talked about how he was going to be a dad on that show. And she's been born. Rhiannon Scarlet. What a gorgeous name. And congratulations, Corey and Katie. That's awesome. A new 10 is born. I, I'm very excited. I'm just very excited when Rhiannon's little brother, Tusk, comes along. <laughs> it's going to be a really good day for that family. All right. <laughs> In our final email for the day, Rob, who is a civil engineer uh, and deals in wastewater treatment, says that wipes are the bane of the wastewater treatment industry. And he comes up with a great uh, quote, toilets are not trash cans. (laughs) I just thought that this whole situation was settled last year. I can't believe that Luke remembers talking about poop gold, but not about wipes because it was a whole thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the end of Thursday. Yeah, and then uh, we'll go to Friday, 2294. You know, it's funny because it didn't populate. I never actually saw the title of this episode. And all week I've been going on and on about the pronunciations of the French terms on the show. And now I have some (laughs) Spanish. El Perro Loco y Grande. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, this is a good job. An early recording. Uh, thank you. An early recording of of TBTL. I don't know why they don't call it TBTL Morning Edition. I think they should. Um, <laughs> and both the guys are clearly loopy because they start by talking about that's the plan. Stan turning into that's the plan. Stan it. That's the planets. Stan it. Um, and uh, 
first in astronomy and then a pastronomy podcast. <laughs> uh, so clearly they're, they've lost it. Because um, if there's two things that goes together, it's astronomy and pastrami. <laughs> I like it. This is 95% episode about Tom Hanks. So this is recorded yes. after the recording of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me in Chicago with Tom Hanks filling in as the host for Peter Sagal. Um, and this is what we've been building up to all week. Uh, surprisingly, except not at all, security is high for Tom Hanks. He has his own bodyguard uh, or Unsullied, which is a ringer reference, guys, uh, which I had to look up because I had no idea. Uh, we have follow up oh. tangent. No, no, it's Game of Thrones. Versus... It's it's a Game of Thrones reference. Damn it. That's what I meant <laughs> I to say. it was a Tom Hanks reference. Star Trek, track. Sully. Well, they do make a Sully Sullenberger joke, too, but uh, whatever. Lord of the Rings and uh, the other one, those are the Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Wars of my existence. So whatever. Uh, use and utilize follow-up. I think we've discussed that enough. Notes yep. on how the Chase Bank Theater in Chicago is uh, is essentially a large conference room, uh, which I think is probably a little bit of hyperbole, but it was nice to get to your webinar with Tom Hanks. Uh Addie and Hans are also in Chicago in addition to Carrie and Luke. And it's worth noting that Luke is recording this from the hotel room again with Carrie in the room. Uh, <laughs> Addie and Hans came out on uh, the red eye, but don't actually have tickets to the show. So well, this Luke, is the point at which I started to get nervous. I was Luke just, just figured that he would time. sort of <laughs> find a place to put them because sure. Why not? If they just show I, these tickets are hard to get even on a normal week. I mean, it's not, I'm sure, jam-packed every recording night, but they do go. Like, I've looked at wanting to go to Chicago before, and if you don't plan in advance, you won't be able to get tickets. Uh, but uh, Luke is a celebrity, and he's on the show, and he is willing to make a fuss and perhaps <laughs> threaten to boycott if he doesn't get tickets for his daughter and her boyfriend. Uh, thankfully, wow. I, I hear you. I hear you, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Mike's not here. You can do it. <laughs> I'm the one who has to be outraged. I, I, honest, honest to God, this is this is the biggest evidence of entitled etiquette since he thought that they should hold the plane for him. I, I this is some serious diva behavior here. I mean, the only thing that saves him is that he actually didn't go through with it. But that he would well, actually right, consider as, boycotting the show over this. <laughs> uh, as noted uh, in our Duolingo sponsored sentence of the show, El Perro Grande did not need to come out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the green only because only because the the house manager or whoever worked a quick deal. And said, oh, yeah. wait, let's see what we can do. Only because that guy stepped up. Luke broke the rules. Luke expected that he would get special treatment. And when it looked like it wasn't going to work out, he was going to throw a complete temper tantrum. And it was only averted by the fact that uh, the other guy is super good at his job and a nice person. So once again, Luke behaves like a shithead and <laughs> gets his way. And I don't like it. It's like the passport uh, thing. Uh, we'll edit out this... We'll edit out the sound of Anne dropping her mic so it doesn't hurt anybody's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, 
I understand why Andrew gets so frustrated, not specifically at Luke, but uh, about being someone who follows the rules and does what they're supposed to and plays nice and then doesn't have things go their way. And Luke always has things go his way. And it's frustrating to see that behavior rewarded. Makes me feel like I should be more of a jerk in real life. Yes. If only we were more jerky, then maybe we would get the things that we wanted. Right. <laughs> I hereby pledge to be a bigger jerk. going to start not following rules and not carrying identification. Although I am glad that the kids got seats. that That's a yes. nice thing. And, and I'm glad that they were able to experience that. They weren't like left loitering in the lobby for four hours or whatever it was. But still, they should have had some sort of of arrangement before they got on the red eye. I'm sure the arrangement was, come on out, kids. We'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The green room is quieter than normal because of the high security. None of the riffraff can get in. Uh, and as such, uh, Luke ends up having uh, a significant amount of downtime with his co-panelists and the one Tom Hanks. Uh, and he claims to have just been over it after a couple of minutes. They had their conversation, and then, God. wouldn't you know, he's he's a normal person. He's a human being. Uh, and uh, and uh, Luke is immediately bored with their conversation. <laughs> um, some interesting conversation, actually. Uh, 60s music, his passions. Luke did say he got a confirmation on the KCRW carpet story, so there's that. Um and uh, Andrew, not wanting to be left out of the conversation about awkward interactions with celebrities, uh, scales it down to his world by reminding us that he once reintroduced himself to Andy Haynes. And Andy said to him, I know who you are. <laughs> well, I can't blame Andrew for that. I, I am never sure if people are going to remember me if I made a big enough impression when I meet them. So I do feel the urge to, to reintroduce myself, not to Andy Haynes, obviously, but just to regular people. I'm not sure if they'll remember me. Yeah. So I'll remember you. Uh, I'm at this work thing. Aw. Oh, thanks, Amy. I'm at this cake. work thing and I. <laughs> That's true, Anne. You are hard to forget because you bribe people with sweets. That's true. Please love me. <laughs> uh, there's a publicist at this conference I'm at who I knew very indirectly many years ago just by email and phone calls. We had never, ever met in person. And I introduced myself and she went, oh, oh, right, you. And I just stood there <laughs> thinking, yeah, there's no way in hell she knows who I am. But she's a publicist. She's, she's going to pretend. <laughs> Right. Whereas I think Andy Hitz, you know, genuinely remembers his friend Andrew. Sure. Uh, the the top story for Friday is more Tom Hanks talk. Um, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, while apparently, quote, hating, quote, selfies, uh, is gracious about people asking him for pictures uh, before the show. Um, but instead of sort of piling on in the picture pile, uh, Luke uh, decides to neg him, a term that I hate so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but Luke wanted to use it. Um, he decides to avoid that situation by just going and hanging out with Bill Curtis instead. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I would love to get my picture with Bill Curtis. So, uh, Ladies, uh, how do you feel about celebrity pictures? Is this something that you would want or specifically not want? Or 
uh, are you too cool for school? Because I've always been anti-autograph. Like, I just don't care enough to fight for anybody's autograph. Uh, I, I think I agree with you, Bobby. Uh, I'm not very interested in autographs for sure. Although that seems, I mean, with the rise of selfie culture, it does seem that autographs have really faded into the background. Um, I, I'm, I, I would be uncomfortable, I, I think. Um, I think I feel a little bit the same way that Andrew does and to a certain extent Luke does, although Luke's all about, you know, wanting to convince himself that he's on the same level as the celebrity. And so why would you ask somebody on the same level as you for a picture? Um, I am sort of more about the I don't want to bother them, kind of. I've had a few, a couple of pictures taken when I was younger with a couple of people that I admired. But I, it takes a lot to work myself up to it. And I would just sort of I'd rather have a meaningful interaction with someone, and that's pretty hard when they don't know who you are. So um, I'd probably probably skip it for the most part. Right. Yeah. Amy? Oh, well, so I, um, I've i had pictures with both Luke and Andrew, which is weird because I don't – I normally am not, like, a fan of, you know, kind of – putting myself or asking for something from somebody I definitely don't know that well, even though everybody thinks, I mean, we all feel like we know Luke and Andrew really well, but, um, mm-hmm. I haven't taken a picture with any celebrities that haven't said, Hey, do you want a picture? So Luke actually is like, Hey, let's take a picture together. And Andrew was the same way, but I've, I don't think I would ever even approach someone who's probably had to talk to a million people saying the exact same thing. So Unless I'm in line at Kroger with them, I probably wouldn't take a picture. All right. Um, <laughs> afterward, of course, we uh, saw the picture. Carrie, I believe, posted the picture on Facebook of the whole family uh, with Luke. So that picture did happen, and it's good mm-hmm. that it happened because they went that far out of their way for it. Of course you want your picture with Tom Hanks. Uh, just something to remember. I've only – well – I've ended up in a fair amount of pictures like when I was at UB because we would – I worked on the group that brought the speaker series. So like we would all end up in these group pictures with different people. The only music-y people I've sought out uh, when I was young and working in Buffalo, I did get a picture with a very sweaty Joshua Bell, really well-known violinist. He had just come off stage Ooh. and he was gross. It was pretty disgusting actually. <laughs> I don't care. I'd be in a picture with him. <laughs> yeah, see, right? He is, he uh his press his press pictures would lead you to believe that he's a handsome man. They're also about a decade old. Um and then also um uh Long Long. Sam and I have a picture with Long Long the pianist because that was a really big deal and was another big thing because it was a big event that I managed. And so it, it meant more for me that it was a big day for me. Um, and I was glad that he was there. He's doing this goofy thing where he's like pointing funny and he's a goofball. So that was a lot of fun. But usually I just don't, I don't know, like I don't want to take up people's time with that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I also am having a uh, badge envy at this conference. So maybe I understand <laughs> Luke a little bit more than I thought I did. Uh, we well, keep I, th- going. I think when it comes, I'm sorry, I think when it comes to Tom Hanks, some of those sort of feelings and rules just have to go out the window because it's Tom Hanks. And not only yeah. is it, it Tom Hanks, it's Tom Hanks in an enclosed space where he doesn't have anything else to do. 
If it was Tom Hanks eating in a restaurant or going to a meeting or whatever, then maybe you leave the poor guy alone. But he's there and he's not going anywhere and you have 45 minutes to kill. So why not? Yeah. Tom Hanks decides that he and Luke are going to be on stage adversaries for comic benefit. I haven't heard this weekend's wait, wait yet, but I hope to hear that that went well. Uh, Luke talks about the very humanizing reality of doing the wait, wait retakes. Um, I've only ever seen wait, wait taped uh, in Providence, uh, but they do a huge block of retakes after um, for the sake of cleaning it up for radio broadcast. And it is a little grinding actually, to hear them kind of have to re-hit things over and over again. And the thing that Tom Hanks keeps stumbling on is pharmaceutical, which he apparently keeps pronouncing fartaceutical. <laughs> which is pretty great. Been like, this whole week has been butt talk. Every week uh, is butt talk on TBTL. <laughs> yeah. I like that Luke went out of his way to wedge a David Edd's Pumpkins reference in at the end in a place where he knew that they couldn't cut it because they have to use all three panelists' responses. <laughs> right. But I, I didn't like that he thought that a David S. Pumpkins joke would be something that people from Oshkosh, Wisconsin wouldn't get. Like, they don't listen or watch Saturday Night Live. It's like, it's only people from the coasts that could possibly get a David S. Pumpkins joke. And I'm sensing a little bit of upper Midwest resentment in your voice. <laughs> just a little bit. We watch TV. We we know pop culture. We're not all just eating lutefisk and, you know, practicing with Chase our wood cards. chippers for the day that we inevitably have to kill somebody and dispose of a body. <laughs> uh, it's it's winter, so there's no way they're getting down to the town social hall anyway. So there's nothing to do but watch TV in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. <laughs> We're going to get a completely different uh, region of the country sending us an angry voicemail this week. Yay. No, these uh, are my people. How dare you think we don't know David S. Pumpkins, don't you know? Yeah. Come on. Uh, Andrew mentions that Faith Saley took a picture with, with Tom Hanks, and it's exactly the kind of picture that he wants to avoid, which is taking a picture with someone who looks unenthused to be in that picture and probably has to do this thousands of times a day, AKA resting Hank's face. Well, I looked at the picture. I didn't think that he looked uninterested in being in it. Yeah. I think Andrew's probably, um, putting himself on that a little bit, but yes. you know, I get it. Like he's not dressed up for pictures. They're not with a backdrop. There's no, um, you know, he just looks like he's there and you stopped and said, take a picture with him. And, it's not a it's not an occasion for Tom Hanks to have his picture taken, so he's gonna look like he No, looks. and it's a little it's a little odd that she's standing behind him and has her hands on his shoulders. It's the shoulder thing, it's, it's creepy. Kind it's kind of a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I know. think he, he looks perfectly gracious in that picture. And speaking of pictures of Tom Hanks, one last note, they reflect on the thing that took over the internet a couple of months ago with, is this picture Tom Hanks or Bill Murray? I guess apparently it's Bill Murray. I had forgotten this existed and I was perfectly happy not knowing. Um, I know. How can they have missed this at the time? It was all over <laughs> the place for a few days. And it was, you know, Bill Murray. So it was very much right. in the wheelhouse. <laughs> uh Music for your weekend, The Laws, Feelin' from Andrew. Uh, great 
very typical kind of Andrew oh, choice. I like that one a lot. It's a very good song. Uh, Luke brings the Fleetwoods, not to be confused with Fleetwood Mac. Um, the Fleetwoods, Mr. Blue. I think also a, a characteristically Burbank family choice. Kind of mm-hmm. a vintage <laughs> Uh, song, something I could definitely see uh, he and Carrie enjoying. Uh, and then listener Mike brings uh, some French uh, hip-hop with Abdi Al-Malik's uh, Je suis un Stremon. I'm going to put the link to the video to that song in the notes because the video is really tripping. It reminds me of those late-night TV commercials for Go Back to School for Graphic Design. Uh, there's people <laughs> dancing and walking around, but their faces have been replaced with like weird nineties technical digital imagery. Uh, mm. so I will put that in the show notes and, uh, that is our week. I'm going to push through to some housekeeping real quick. Uh, the archive project, this was mentioned last week, but here's what we're thinking we're going to do. Every time you archive a day of TBTL, we're going to throw your name in the hat to win a prize. And that prize is that each of us regular hosts here at LRB is going to curate a uh, Loot Crate-esque uh, box <laughs> of cool shit that we are personally amused by. And you're going to get one of our boxes of stuff. Um, <laughs> enter. Each box will be different. We don't have a lot of designs on exactly how this will work yet, uh, but we are eager to do it and share it with you uh, and bring through some of our character and appreciation for your yes. help with the I'm, archive project. I'm wondering if, if we'll do it in that uh, they don't know which host's box they'll get or if they can pick which host's box they get. Because I, I think there's a big difference between Anne's box of treats and Mike's box of insects. <laughs> if we let them pick, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt on this show. <laughs> we can't let someone get picked last. So I think I think we're going to pick I think we're going to pick a number of people at once and then assign them randomly somehow. It's got to be the way you do it. That's the luck of the draw, people. You might get uh, delicious snacks from Anne, assuming that she bakes for you. Uh, or you might get all just potato <laughs> chips and, and coffee milk. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, also in housekeeping, your next episode of Earbuds and Earworms. Normally we plug this, but since we have a resident expert today, Amy, what's on the next episode of Earbuds and Earworms? Uh, we uh, we are covering misheard lyrics. So um, it's kind of a crazy episode because it's amazing what we can miss here. Um, so we did a whole episode that focuses mm-hmm. on the songs and the lyrics that were misheard. Plus, we got an amazingly long email from Craig, who actually knows a lot about music, as opposed to me. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask, are you going to talk about Benny and the Jets? Because I always thought she's got electric boobs. was kind of (laughs) weird until I found out that's not what it is. (laughs) No, I didn't know about that one. You'll listen to it, and my song, How I Misheard These Lyrics, makes no sense, because it's not even the right syllables, but I wish I'd known about this. You need to join the Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on Facebook, (laughs) so I can get these things. There you go. Thank you for being here, even though, again, this is not a strategic plug for another 10710 show. Uh, Nerd Out Loud is still a thing that exists. Make sure it's in your feed. LittleRedBandwagon.com, Facebook, show Twitter's LRB Podcast. Amy, where do we find you on Twitter? I'm at Madam Wolle and at E&E Pod. Both of those. Perfect. Email us at LittleRedBandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and texts, as we've proven, we will share them. So make sure... They are something you want the world to hear at 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. And with that, Anne, 
Why don't you get us out of here? I will get us out of here. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. And Amy, thanks for jumping in with us this week. Never wait for cake. (laughs) Wrong show. Nailed it.